0: Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan
1: Sponsored by InsureMyCars.ie Low-cost car insurance specialists See how much you can save at InsureMyCars.ie on Sunshine 106.8 Sunshine 106.8 Sunshine Sunshine
0: 106.8
2: Dublin's
1: Talking Sport
3: Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GEA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm great, Reg, How are you?
4: I don't know how I am Ken I'll be honest with you I'm absolutely <laughs> a nervous wreck I, I feel like I'm still on the team or something it's just never felt like this before how nerve wrecking this you never is lose you,
3: you never lose you right? oh
4: my god I think it's just I remember distinctly uh, in 2009 when Leinster we, I'd retired in 2007 we hadn't won any European Championships we needed to get the monkey off our back we needed to try and, and, and get a, a championship and it felt that like if you kind of uh, got that one through then and all other things good could follow. And um, I remember feeling like this against Leicester when we were over in Edinburgh, and we finally got that result and beat them and won the first European title. And the relief was unbelievable. And this feels a bit like that. It's 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 absolutely nerve wracking. I can't imagine how the poor players must feel. Yeah.
3: I think I think it's the biggest dish, uh, biggest match in their history, you know, in Irish history. It is. And um, I think, but I, I'm confident. I, I don't know about you. I think the way they've been playing, I think they can do it.
4: I'm very confident. I really am. I I'm I'm predicting I'll be talking uh to Dan about this in the rugby section a bit more. But I'm I I'm I'm forecasting a seven to ten point win for Ireland. I know you're not allowed to say that. I know all the ads are, you know, saying you can think it but you can't actually say it. But I'm saying it and yeah. I said it all along. This is the best Irish team we've ever had. Um they have uh they have a way about them of solving problems on the pitch that I've never seen any team do before. They did it against South Africa already, who, in my opinion, are a better team than New Zealand. Uh, and all the Kiwis out there will be loving this that I'm saying that and going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we shall you, mate. But um, the reality is, um, I just think it's a, it's an amazing Irish team. A lot of pressure on them. Things have to go right. And by yeah, no is. means, I
3: think... I think... I think that's the thing about it, that the whole country will be watching tonight, you know, and uh, there's a lot of pressure about that. But I think these lads can deal with it, you know, and particularly their manager. They've got great resilience, great talent, and a great team ethic. And I think they're the ingredients you need to to take you that extra distance, right? you know all about that?
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is, I think,
3: the biggest match of their lives. And I think if they get through this, You know, there's nobody
4: stopping them. Yeah, and I've never... like You know, it's funny. You know, Ken, we're we're here and uh, we'll talk about football in a couple of minutes, but we're here and there was barely even a whisper about the match last night. It was unbelievable. Like, the whole country has gone ruby mad. It's just... um, the, you know, like it's on all the newspapers, it's dominating everything. Uh, today, obviously, there's a there's a going to be a fallout from that 2 0 loss to Greece last night. But yeah. it, like you know, if you look at any of the papers, I've got them all here in front of me, all of the headlines. Uh, it's all rugby, 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 rugby pages of rugby. And it's almost like of, it's like, like Italia 90, isn't it? You know,
3: the out in Ireland, but it's it, but it's rugby now
4: exactly exactly it has completely yeah, flipped yeah, everything right. on its head and uh, uh, sad to see from a football perspective because it shouldn't be like that because we've got so many great football yeah. fans out there but unfortunately when results aren't coming in uh, there's nothing for the fans to get behind you're going to have that problem and that's exactly what's mm. happening but um yeah, yeah no it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting match tonight there's no question about it. Um, yeah i'm excited about it, I must
3: say I'll yeah. be watching it i know it will be It'll be about three o'clock in the morning over here. Hmm. But I'll be I'll be I'll find somewhere to watch it. don't worry. <laughs> really brilliant. Still be out. Yeah. you're probably be just <laughs> coming
4: in from your night out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs>
3: I'll be honest, just go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tell us, you were uh, over in Hong Kong. Uh, you were in Wuhan for a bit as well.
3: I was in Wuhan for the Wuhan Open, but of course I was playing Roddy Sullivan.
4: Yeah,
3: I won the first prime. I think that was the worst thing I did. I think I upset him, and, then
4: he, <laughs> and then he beat me five-one. Yeah, but uh, I actually heard a clip during the week talking about that, and Ronnie was talking about when he knew you when you were younger, and you know, uh, he says uh, we played together when we were kids. Well, I was a kid; Ken was a man. <laughs>
3: well, yeah, yeah. Well, I used to. Uh, his father used to send a taxi for me when he was only about twelve years old. Yeah, and he, we used to go and practice in the bottom of his garden and uh, then he'd come up to Ilford Centre, and yes, I've known him since he was about 12 but he was such a talent even then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. great to
4: see what he's achieved, you know. But, Absolutely. Yeah. I saw there was a, an interesting one speaking of young uh, Aaron Hill, just edged out in the final yeah. frame decided with Mark Allen um, know, and he made the quarterfinal. 19-year-old.
3: Yeah, we've used beat him, young Chinese boy, Sheffield. Uh but it would have been great for Aaron to get to his first sort of semi-final but he did great. He's got, he's got those quarterfinals. it'll boost his ranking, give him a few bob, and and it'll set him up for the rest of the season. He's a really good talent, all the way from court. Yeah, and uh, it's great to see another young lad coming through,
4: absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and and, mm. and and being on the circuit and getting that kind of experience, uh, you know, it, it'll stand to him, even though yeah. the result didn't. But uh, yeah, there just seems to be so many he, He's
3: beaten Ronnie O'Sullivan a couple of seasons ago, so. Yeah. You know, he's sort of—it's it's difficult. He's fallen on off the top. But this result, uh, this little sort of runner results the quarterfinals would have been, given him a bit, bit of confidence. Yeah, Just the same, losing a point four so so close, you know.
4: Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll keep an eye on uh, him and see uh, where yeah, that all leads. I feel
3: leads. terrible sorry, for Stephen Kenny. Yes, I must say. I'm just going to get on to that. Man, you know, good football in and and uh, just what can you do? Just players well, maybe, just not the quality there but then maybe it's time to bring somebody else
4: in, I don't know. Yeah, I mean I see some of the headlines this morning and and even um, for Stephen himself, it's it's as if it's almost as if he's kind of um, resigned himself to the fact, you know, uh, yeah. he, he making statements and saying things like "I can't ignore the results and um, I, I don't you see, the thing about it is I don't think there's anybody that wants to be down on him or say he has to go, or no. not, nobody's slamming no, him. You know what I mean? I a good guy, you know? yeah, and there's understanding there that maybe um, the quality yeah. just isn't there uh, in in the team. Mm. Yeah, that's
3: why right. you know that's why he's had to deal with you know he sort of he's a bit unlucky. He's come into the team. There's a lot of good young prospects there. But
4: yeah,
3: he sort of need a lot of experience and quality players with them. And uh, they just don't have the abundance that they used to. They don't have to, you know, the the crop of players. When we're talking about the Charleston area, you know what he had at his disposal and did very very well with them. But he had quality players who were playing in the at the top division.
4: Yeah.
3: In, in the UK, and, and so, uh, but that's not the same now with this bunch of players, unfortunately.
4: Mm. what What? uh What next, though? Like, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll say Stephen is going to be replaced I mean what manager is going to really want to come in and take this on it's a bit of a poison chalice isn't
3: it it is yeah but there's, I think there's a lot of managers in uh, in England you know who are out of a job Steve Bruce will be one of them right uh, you know who, who might come in and do it. he's plenty plenty of experience I know somebody has mentioned Sam Allardyce but i got- I don't think I'd like some yeah, No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I
4: think we're going back uh, No, but
3: I think yeah, I know. But even if they gave it to a young man a young manager a young manager in, in the UK who sort of delved in maybe, you know, the, a couple of the divisions, you know, but not maybe even in the top division. But I'm sure even managers who have been sacked who are waiting for a job could take it. You know, Mark Hughes is another just lost his job, Brad Barford City. Yeah. He's got a lot of quality and a lot of
4: experience. He, he wouldn't be a bad, bad bad name to throw in there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I suppose they're going to start uh, coming up a list of names now shortly uh, because, uh, yeah, it's yeah. it, It's it's terrible to see. I mean, we're right down the bottom of that group now and uh, Greece mm. have actually popped up to... to um, uh, second position I think it is now so they might be uh, a little bit more inclined to you know maybe, maybe we give them a little bit more respect than we would have in the beginning is what I'm trying to say you know they're not as bad a team as yeah. you might think but um, oh, no, it just no. seemed they were aren't...
3: European champions weren't they? Yeah. No, yeah, no, that's not a, that long ago exactly
4: not that long ago so there's a good quality history there it's just we haven't been expecting them to be on that level uh, and I just I, th- I think it's just disappointment with, from Irish fans it's just constant disappointment yeah, is, and right. they just need to they just need something to freshen it all up at this stage, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I'll talk to Alan Colley well, about I that. Think,
3: yeah. yeah, I'm sure it'll be
4: interesting to see what Alan has to say. But yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of good names out there that would love to have a chance.
3: Yeah, yeah, to give it a go. Um, before I let if you I'm go,
4: give for your ring. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he'd take it on. No bother to <laughs> Don't bother,
3: Dunphy and Giles.
4: Yeah, um. <laughs> bring them back they'd have no bother to pair them probably (laughs) some would say they probably couldn't do any worse that's the the kind of reaction you'd get if you were to say such a thing so um, anyway before I let you go I didn't get a chance to talk to you last week because of connection problems but uh, the Ryder Cup what what a result for Europe wasn't it great
3: what an atmosphere fantastic they all like they just played as a real team I know America came back really strong on the Sunday yeah but uh, you know, it a couple of the lads stood up to the play, namely McElroy. Uh John Ram as well was brilliant in his match against Shepler. Yeah. I think that that was such a huge half point to start them off. Uh and he sort of led the way. But McElroy was class. A lot of the even the young players that he brought in were brilliant as well.
4: Well, it's time for rugby now, and uh it's the, the most talked about game I think probably in the history of Irish rugby because there's so much expectation around it, so much pressure around it uh, and so much hope I suppose is the way we'd have to put it as well for Irish rugby fans. Someone who's uh, been there before and has had a team who have uh, gone all the way and won World Cups of course is my next guest who's Dan Van Ziel from South Africa, South African Scrum Half. Good morning Dan, how are you?
5: Very well, thanks, Reggie. You're really looking forward to the
4: weekend. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, I, you know, I said it there in my intro, uh, you as a South African and a former Springbok probably might be a little bit amused or bewildered by the reaction of the Irish people to, to, to the way that we've gone on about this game. And uh, it's in every paper. It's dominating every news broadcast, uh, every radio show, television show. We haven't even got to the semi-finals. We're only at the quarter-final stage, and this is the way it's going on. Are, are you kind of taken aback with how much of a reaction there's been from the Irish on this?
5: Ah, uh, look, it's been brilliant. I have to say, I am Irish as well. Yeah. So today, today I'm in an Irish shirt, and tomorrow in a South African shirt. But there you go. But uh, no, look, I think it's um, it is a great game to look forward to. I think all the hype around it. Uh, You know, it's been coming for for years when we knew the draw and that South African-Island game, you know, was a massive game in itself to either uh, not play against the All Blacks or not play against the French. I think out of a South African point of view, South Africa preferred to play France and I think uh, Ireland preferred to play New Zealand. So in that sense, I think it's worked out well. But uh, to say that it's going to be a humdinger is probably putting it lightly. It's going to be one hell of a game.
4: A lot of nervous Irish fans, it has to be said. There's a confidence there, and being Irish, nobody's allowed have that confidence. They're afraid of their life to even uh, think out loud that, that we could possibly win this match and uh, get ourselves through it. I'm confident, personally. I, I, I'm I'm happy to say that I feel this Irish team are 7 to 10 points better than the New Zealand team as they stand at the moment. Um, I, I think we're... we're you know, I think it's right to have that level of belief these days because they've proven it time and time again, and even our recent record against New Zealand have proven that. But I will provide it with everything. Still has to go right for Ireland, and they still have to put in one of the performances of their lives to beat any New Zealand team.
5: Look, I think you you're right there. You know, I think Shane Organ said it: "If not now, when?" Because Irish rugby is the best it's been. You know, the environment. Uh, by all accounts, is, is brilliant. The team is brilliant. You know, they've got 18 wins on, on the trot. Um, so everything is really going uh, for Ireland. But New Zealand, I think it was only in 2007 that they got knocked out in the quarterfinal stages. Um, so, you know, they're always there in the, in the last four and, and a lot of them are ageing. It's their last chance saloon. Um Also, so I think New Zealand will come with a desire uh, that we probably haven't seen in in the other games before to win it. And then obviously the Joe Schmidt um, is there as well that can can play a huge role today.
4: Yeah, um, speaking about New Zealand, I mean, they've been somewhat... I suppose if I was in that New Zealand camp, you'd have to feel that they've been somewhat disrespected, not necessarily by Ireland, but maybe by their own people in New Zealand maybe by the world media uh, maybe by other teams outside of Ireland who have already kind of written them off so these Kiwi players they're going to be pretty wounded and they're going to want to come out with a point to prove because they all none of those want to be going home on a plane uh, tomorrow either and having to face the New Zealand public um, and that's a pretty dangerous thing you know having a, 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 a Kiwi who's uh, in that frame of mind I
5: know no, because careers might end you know yeah. if if they don't make it and uh, I'll just be interested to hear the the aftermatch talk between Peter Manny and Sam Kane doesn't matter which way it goes I think that could be quite interesting but uh I think new Zealand New Zealand will bring something to the party but I'm in the belief of you I think Ireland is ten points better mm-hmm. um you know and if they can if they can get an early lead because for me the only doubt in Ireland's is they haven't actually gone behind in test matches. Um, And if New Zealand, uh, traditionally they used to have good starts, if New Zealand get up to 10, 12 points early doors, how will Ireland react? Because it's always Ireland that's come out of the blocks firing. So that will be my only doubt, is New Zealand have to get a good start, I think, to win the game. And if they do, how will Ireland respond?
4: And tell me, where do you see the most crucial part of this game from an Irish perspective, uh, the threats and dangers from New Zealand? What do we need to, um, where do we need to contain them?
5: Well, I think line-out. And Ireland's got a very good contesting line-out, you know. and um, So I think they, they can starve New Zealand from ball because New Zealand like to launch off line-out plays, even the very first play of the World Cup, you know, when they broke France opening the midfield. So I think if Ireland can disrupt their, their line-out ball and their first-face possession, I think New Zealand will find it difficult. And um, for me, again, New Zealand will have to change their defence probably to to disrupt Ireland because New Zealand traditionally play a drift defence. And if you give Ireland time on the ball, a multi phase play will kill you. So I I expect New Zealand to come a bit harder off the line. Um but Ireland to staff New Zealand from, from first-place position.
4: And we struggled a little bit with our own line-out, it had to be said, against South Africa. Um, you know, that that period of time where we had to try and find ways around it. South Africa did their homework. I mean, New Zealand will do theirs too. They've got plenty of threats there too. Um, you know, Ritalik is certainly experienced, and Lomax and, you know, even the likes of Sevea and the line-out, they, they, they'll put pressure on the Irish line-out as well.
5: Yeah, I know, and I think Frizzell for me, he's playing really well, but I there was a bit of me that thought they'll play Barrett uh as a flanker to to make their line out stronger. Mm. Um so that is gonna be a very interesting battle. But they've obviously got Whitelock coming off the bench and, and so on as well. So so I think it's gonna be it's gonna be close. Um but whoever whoever gets the lead, I think uh
4: will win this game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Sam's Kane, for me, was an interesting choice in that back row with uh, Sabea and Fritzl because uh, I just, uh, you know, I I, th- I thought there was players in better form than him, let's put it that way. And uh, I think he's got a lot of extra pressure on him now. I know his captain, an, an amazing player, don't get me wrong, but it's just his form isn't quite where maybe it has been in the past. And there's a lot of extra pressure on him if they can if Ireland can get to him
5: look I think that is that is so true, you know, but captains and coaches you'll know more than me, but captains and coaches develop quite a good relationship you um you know if you look look around all the teams and I think from the chiefs' days you know Kane and Foster have a have a great relationship and and so on and probably a lot of loyalty there now the loyalty as we've seen in the Irish setup before you know um when it happened in two thousand and nineteen where there was probably loyalty. Too much loyalty to certain players mm-hmm. can can have a negative effect as well, mm. uh, but I think that's the reason why Kane is in there. Um, Foster himself knows it's it's probably their last. Uh, hurrah together Yeah, so
4: they'd like to finish on a on a good note makes sense yeah okay well it's good to hear that like me you're confident uh, from an Irish perspective um, and think that they'll get the job done of course as you said at the beginning of the chat you have two jerseys uh, one being the South African one uh, <laughs> it's um, the other juiciest match of the weekend of course is happening tomorrow evening France taking on South Africa Um Oh my God, I can't wait for that one either. I'm hoping I'll be able to sit back and relax (laughs) and enjoy it with a cup of tea, watching uh, the South African game, having won our match against New Zealand uh, and looking at who we'd be likely to play in the final, because I think we'll get through the semi-final. But this is going to be an epic encounter. And with your South African hat on, France have been playing really, really well. They've got the home advantage. They've got the crowd. Can South Africa beat them?
5: Well, I hope so, because I won't be sitting with a cup of tea relaxing. I'll be very <laughs> nervous watching watching that game. But it was interesting. I spoke to, to Gert Small, the ex-Island coach and South African coach, obviously, in, in the week. And I think the pressure on referees, not to bring say it's going to come down to yeah, that, but yeah. the pressure on referees is immense. Um, you know, take the 60,000 Irish people there tonight, uh, 70,000 probably French people uh, there on, on uh, tomorrow night. And he said in the pre-match uh, meetings that they have with referees, he'll only ask one question to the ref, and it's, do you think we can win? Just to to put that seat in his head, you know? So it will be very interesting, I think.
4: Well, what do you mean is- by that? What, what do you think he meant by that, Dan? I mean, uh, asking the referee Just- that question.
5: Ah, probably just to, to say, you know, everything is going to be against us, so you please don't be against us, you know. Okay. I think that's, that's probably where that comes from. But, but it's interesting, the mind, for me, it's the mind games that everybody tried to play beforehand. But, you know, I do think that uh, France, they haven't, again, 18 games unbeaten. Uh, the last team that, that beat them was um, Scotland uh, there. So I think that's going to play a huge role. But I think also the pressure is going to amount to them. You know, South Africa has got their most experienced or second most experienced team ever going out on the pitch. Most experienced pack. I was surprised about some of the selections, but I actually think it's a very exciting side going out and, and being being confident with the Irish win. I do feel that South Africa will also
4: Come through it, but I think it will be a lot closer, maybe two or three points. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I have to say, um, I'm sorry to say this to you, Dan. I feel France will come out on top of that game. I just think. Oh, thanks, that the, yeah, I look, thanks. you know, I love you. You're a friend. <laughs> I, I I don't like saying that to you, but i got to tell it like it is, in my opinion. I just think France are that little bit edgier in their back line. Um, I think up front, you've got a, 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 a monstrous pack who could do a job, but France also have a, a pretty impressive pack of forwards. Yeah, but uh, I think
5: I the think selection of Reinach is very interesting. Mm. Uh, you know, that South Africa has gone for, for pace and then obviously him playing in France and so on, you know, he might have, might know a few calls and so on, playing, playing in Montpellier and, and, and so on. So it, it, that for me was interesting. And I think South Africa is going to go out to try and lead this game as well and then bring Faf and, and Pollard on to, to play field position in the second half. I, I feel they're going to play a running game But what about the
4: the, uh, 10, uh, you know, that whole axis thing and then the big question around kicking as well um, because there is question marks over the reliability of the kicking, let's say. Uh, You're not a little bit worried because it can be so brilliant or it can be so bad.
5: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, look, and that's absolutely right. But that's why I feel with the team that they picked, I think they're going to go and look to score tries in the first half, you know, and then try and control the game in the second half. Now, I might be wrong, but that would be my my view. And I think, you know, France, you have to take it to them. You know, um, I mean, they've been in the lead. Scotland showed in the pre-World Cup games. I know it was only pre-games, but, you know, that if you play, play a bit of rugby against them, you know, you can get success out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh...
4: Yeah, that's probably what you've got to do like, not be afraid to play against France. That's the thing, you know. But I've been on the receiving end and in a quarterfinal in a World Cup on the receiving end of a French team who are on the rampage and when they get into that flow, when they get into that beautiful passing style of rugby that they uh, can often find, um, it's a machine that's hard to stop. And I love the fact that French rugby has gone back to that type of flair. It went through a period of time there where it was trying to play this power game that didn't suit their style, you know. There was a lot of yep. uh, big men boshing the ball up the middle and no real creativity Uh, that has changed again and we're looking at French teams that that provide beautiful flowing rugby and unlock teams with that style of play um, which is wonderful to see and uh, you got to contain that early doors because if they get their confidence up and if the crowd get behind them and again the crowd is a massive factor in this with it being a home World Cup for them they influenced decisions that were made in in the other games you know there was a try disallowed they do influence things so I think that's going to be the Springbok's biggest challenge is silencing the crowd and curtailing uh, the French team from playing that brand of rugby they love to play
5: ah oh, definitely I think you said it there you know the Irish supporters has been so brilliant and you know Johnny Sexton and everybody made comments about it that it gives them that extra extra belief and you know you can just imagine what what the atmosphere is going to be with with France against against South Africa especially in that first half so I totally agree with you yeah. like we have to silence the crowd um, but that again I think the team that he's picked um, it's going to be a different style that probably similar to what they tried against Ireland, you know, is move the ball early doors and they got a bit of success out of it in the first half without finishing the the opportunities in that game. So hopefully they can do that against France and just, just finish the, Tries off that uh, that could be there in the first half.
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, quick uh, prediction on the other two games: uh, England, of course, taking on Fiji and Wales versus Argentina. Starts the whole process this afternoon. Who do you think is going to come out on top in both of those?
5: Um, I I actually think I'm I'm an Argentinian fan, but I don't think they feed their straps. Um I think Wales can can win that one. Gatland having been in semi finals some of the players having been there. Faletau is a massive loss for them, but I think their back row with Wainwright coming in at eight, uh, they've got a lot of uh, ball um, disruptors there that can jackal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Matera being out for, for Argentina. Uh, I don't think Carreras, the 10, is playing as well as what he did uh, early earlier in the season. So, so I, I fancy Wales to come through there and then um, with England I just can't understand the selection Ford being two men of the matches and then Farrell comes in you know but that's again that probably captain coach scenario and big experienced player but I don't know if that will influence England again um, Marcus Smith at fullback that might play into the Fijians hands so I just think Fiji reading something about them they've been away from home for 15 weeks Will they galvanize together or is it a road too far for them that yeah. they w- wanna go back, you know? Um but I'd love the Fiji to turn up that, that we saw in Twickenham and in the first game of the World Cup and not the one that we saw in the last two weeks, then Absolutely. then I think it can be a real umdinger.
1: Yes, indeed. Good morning to you, Reg. They certainly are. Reminds me of the old Top of the Pops uh, thing they used to say, that uh, as the numbers get smaller, the hits get bigger. And that's certainly the case because we're halfway through our finals in the go-ahead senior championships for 2023. The Camogie Decider took place at Parnell Park last night. We'll hear about Vincent's win over St. Jude's in the company of Danielle Smith and Neve Hederton. It's a big weekend in hurling, of course, as well, because we have the semi-finals of the Go Ahead One Senior Championship taking place at Parnell Park tomorrow afternoon in the shape of a very attractive doubleheader, it must be said. Sean Lane, our regular hurling analyst, is in studio to uh, give us his thoughts on who will contest the county final in a couple of weeks' time. Speaking of Vincent's, one thing we forgot to do on the programme last week, and I was reminded of this by many people in Parnell Park last night, was the fact that uh, we didn't mention Ger Brennan getting the loud job last week on the programme. That's uh, an oversight on my part. I apologise to Ger to and the all in Vincent's as well and take the opportunity of wishing the former great centre-back every success in his new appointment as well. Now, speaking of his club, Vincent's, they were involved in the Camogie County Final last night. Kilmercourt Crokes last week won the football title, so the burning question of everyone entering the Nell last night was, would the defending champions, St. Vincent's, make it back-to-back titles? Well, they did, but on a scoreline of 15 points to two goals and six against St. Jude's. Ultimate game of two halves. This ten points to one up at halftime. Ashling Maher, Ali McGuire, and uh, Annie Sullivan uh, to the four there for the Marino girls. But Jude stormed back brilliantly in the second half. Sinead Nolan got grabbed a brace of goals. They got the gap down to two points at one stage. But Vince had just enough in the tank to get themselves over the line and record that back-to-back success of so the more. Brady Cup was making its way the relatively short journey back to Park Nave Inchen last night well after the game I spoke to a couple of the people who were involved I started with the skipper Danielle Smith and put it to her that the sound of county champions was very sweet on a bitterly cold Friday night ok delighted to be joined you now by Danielle Smith the captain of Come On Nave back to back county camogie champions that's a sweet feeling on a bitterly cold Friday evening Danielle
2: yeah, it sure is. Um, it, I think it was a fantastic match. Uh, we started strong, um, but Jude's no better team to come straight back into it and put on a serious show for the second half. So it was right there, right to the very end. So, um, yeah, really enjoyed it.
1: Everybody knows the importance of a good start in a game and you got more than that because you were, what, nine points up at half-time and in a very commanding position.
2: Yeah, look, and to be honest, we haven't found that strong start for much of the championship, so it was something we really focused on today. Um, and thankfully, it worked out for us. We stick to the process and, yeah, it came off and thankfully, it put us in a comfortable position going in at half-time, but still had a lot of work to do for the next 30 minutes, so... Um, yeah, no, absolutely
1: As I said to Ashling Marr there, you know, champions they really show their mettle and their quality when the chips are going a little bit against them in a game because it had gone so well for you for such a long period in the game
2: Yeah, no, you're right and I think one thing about this team is that every single year we're finding new leaders, so you're right, Ashling Marr and all the well-known names, but there's there's people there tonight like Ava Lam, you know um, 17-year-old, like she absolutely stole the show, Anna Sullivan people who know all the good people on your woods there's leaders upon leaders among us so we're, we're blessed
1: quite a, a noisy bunch of teammates there and rightly so having won the county title once again but you know you had such a great run last year I mean you won Leinster as well and you know the attention now will switch to that probably Tuesday
2: maybe Thursday next week it'll take a couple of days to enjoy it for sure but uh, yeah look this is not this is not the end for us we, we, we really want to crack on you're right we had a good year last year and hopefully we go out and represent Dublin well in the Leinster and the All-Ireland Championships and finally Danielle
1: the feeling of being a successful Captain at Saint Vincent's because there's so many great captains and so many great teams over the years, and you know, in a couple of weeks' time, your picture will be up there again on the wall in Parkinay-Vincent
2: Yeah, look, I mean, to be honest, it's it's an absolute privilege uh, just to represent this team. They are, uh, I can't even put into words the, the honest to God the challenge and the the character among the team. So I'm just so honoured to to represent them. Um, I'm on the older side myself, so it's it's a real honour and thank. I'm just so grateful to be here.
1: I suppose the good thing is you don't have too far to go home tonight either from the club
2: I know, thankfully we'll stroll over to Vincent's and uh, make a good night of it for Corrigus thank you thank you Danielle take care
1: I'd say they made a good night of it all, right? <laughs> They're probably leaving in the very early hours of this morning. So congratulations to Danielle on captaining Vincents to that success. Well, it's been some year two for Heatherson and the wing forward on the successful Vincents team last night. She was a member of the Dublin All-Ireland winning ladies football panel in 2023 as well. I took the opportunity of speaking to her on the Parnell Park pitch post-match last night as well. Okay, Neve Heatherton joins us here on the pitch now at uh, Parnell Park, another county title added to the collection. Neve, and it's been some 2023 for you so far because you were a member of the successful Dublin Ladies All Ireland winning squad as well.
6: Yeah, I suppose. It's what you dream of when you're growing up. Like two championships in the one year. Well, three and hopefully more to add to it. Uh, so, yeah, it's what you dream of. <laughs>
1: it's been some years, some length of a year as well to come back from, you know, inter-county football and turn your attention back to the Camogie. It's, it's all worth it when you see the scenes of celebration here this evening.
6: Yeah, it's very long, especially seeing as we went very far last year as well. So, I suppose we, I haven't had much of a break. But, yeah, it's worth it when you win the trophies at the end. But, uh, yeah, it has been very long. <laughs>
1: I'm sure nobody in that dressing room felt the game was won at half-time because you knew what they were going to put you, put at you in the second half.
6: Yeah, absolutely not sure. It's a game two halves. Uh, we knew we had the win in the first half, but we had to just stick to the process and we knew that they'd get their pur- purple patch, but it's what we did to go against that. So, yeah, we're delighted that we got over the line in the end.
1: Finally, sorry to tell you, one journey ends, another one starts. The Leinster campaign will start in a couple of weeks. Not that that will bother you for the short term,
6: yeah, no, I suppose we were taking it one game at a time. So, yeah, we'll turn our attention to that now after tonight, after we celebrate this one. Although, well,
1: congratulations, Neef. Thank, Thank you.
6: you.
1: Neith headed in there speaking to me at Parnell Park last night after Vincent's 15 points to 2-6 success over Jude's in the County Camogie final. Well done to them, and the best of luck to them in the forthcoming Leinster Championship campaign as well. They are, of course, defending Queens of the province as well. Okay, we're going to uh, turn our attention now to, uh, first of all, before we do that, Sean Lane, I should say, in studio with us here this morning as well. Um, Sean, you watched the game last night. Um, The ultimate game of two halves, really. Vincent's very dominant in the first half. Jude's storming back in the second half, but the champions just about had enough from the tank to get over the line in the end.
0: Yeah, well, over the hour, Declan Vincent's were the better side. I mean, the, the first half display by Ashling Maher and, and, and uh, at the back, Kieran O'Leary and Deirdre Johnson. Vincent's were absolutely outstanding and you couldn't see a way back. I mean, they were 10-1 up at halftime and, do you know, realistically, they could have been 1-12, 1-13 up. Um, but, you know, come back, um, Jude's did and made a right game of it. Sinead Nolan, as you said, got two smashing goals and, do you know, it was anybody's game with a few minutes to go but a great spectacle um, of the game, a game that, you know, really, you know, did a game justice in Dublin and, and uh, the two best teams in Dublin but on the night the, the better team did win.
1: And like the ladies last week a well produced programme as well on the night and the uh, donations were made to the St Francis Hospice which are always greatly appreciated and that will be the case I'm sure tomorrow afternoon for the team sheets for the Hurling semi-finals uh, as well we're going to turn our attention to those now. First up, 2pm tomorrow afternoon, the uh, Cross River Battle of St. Vincent's and Ballyboden St. Dennis. Now the first thing I think to say about this year's championship with the teams that are left is there's a remarkable freshness to this. Two of them have never won it. Vinsons have 30 years since they won it, and Ballyboden has 2018 since they won it, so it'll be interesting. But Finns and Bowden tomorrow afternoon. Finns came through Group 2, qualified for the uh, semi-final, but um, Ballyboden had to go through the quarter-final route, defeating Kula en route there, Paul Ryan with a goal and 11 points. Interesting cross-liffy battle here um, tomorrow afternoon. Paul Ryan on one side, as we say, but Vinsons have their own stars on the other side as well,
0: Sean. Yeah, without a doubt. Declan, Vincent's would have to say under Pat Gilroy that they, they haven't been impressive so far, um, there's no doubt. They gave Fogs a hiding in the last game and actually got through to the semi-final on, on goal difference and everybody was expecting maybe Bowden to go through but, but Bowden lost to, to the Fina on the day. Um, you know, they have some really good players. John Hedgerton, Conor Bourke had, was brilliant for Dublin all year. James Mulcahy, they have the three McBride brothers as well. Vincent's have really, really good players but the one thing we know now with Pat Gilroy in charge, they're going to come out, they're going to be at you hook and block and chase and there'll be 10 of them in every mall they'll try and come up with them they'll try their level best to stay in this game for as long as they possibly can for 50, 55 minutes and they'll really kick for home then that will be their game plan what you see with the, the you know with Pat Gilroy is what you'll get he, they will be heart and passion it's 30 years Declan since uh they uh, w- w- won the championship yeah. 1993
1: oh, Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going with this and you're not getting a rise out of
0: me this morning yeah, Well good it point. was oh, unfortunately it was crumbling they beat in 1993 uh, 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 led by Liam Martin mm-hmm. the former Dublin minor captain but um, no they, they certainly will but in the other corner Declan, Bally Bowden you know Dave Corton will have them keyed up they they, they certainly I would have thought um, that they were very very good the first 20 minutes against Cooler and had a comprehensive win but they did con- Seed and 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 league three goals in the last round robin game uh, against Nafina. Um, so look at you know uh, Paul Ryan as you mentioned and Niall McMurray up front are two wizards. Uh, Vincent would really have to put the shackles on the two of them. Um, but you know the experience then of Simon Lambert and Shane Dorkin at the back. I mean they've loads and loads of experience, and and I think they've been around for nearly all of the the Ballyboden uh, seven championship wins. So. I'm expecting a really tight game for a long time but I just think between the 40th and 55th minute Bowdoin just might have too much hurling for them and pull away.
1: Bowden chasing a couple of doubles this year actually not only they, they've won the, the, the adult hurling league in the county of course they beat Nafina in the final of that and they're into uh, the final of the football championship as well which we'll look ahead to next week. Just uh, the other semi-final taking place tomorrow afternoon is Lucan Sarsfields versus Nafina at 4 o'clock Sars uh, going through with a 100% record against Nafina who of course ended the county champions Kimma Crokes quest for three in a row in the county a couple of weeks ago absolute blockbuster in prospect here but there's one point here that stands out Lucan didn't play a quarterfinal but they, it was a couple of weeks before that that they played again Sean
0: yeah, that, that, and that's going to be a key factor, I think, tomorrow, Declan. They, they were unfortunate in the, the last round-robin game was their week where they had a bye, and then a fortnight later there was a quarter-final. So it's nearly six weeks now since they would have played a competitive game. Having said that, the right man is in the corner. Charlie Carter, having won Leinster Championships with Kilkenny, with, with will know what it's like waiting around for a semi-final all-Ireland rather than playing a quarter-final. So he, he'd have gone through a process there where he will have them ready on that. Over the course of the whole campaign, Lucan are the farm team. They played four games and they won. But on the other side, Declan, Nafina are my favourites because their last two games... Um, what was, what, you know, were key games. They knocked Croaks out, who had beaten them twice in county finals. In the game prior to that, a the game they had to win, they also beat, um, Bally Bowden 315 to 116. So, Nafina, there's some really, really big guys around the park. Liam Rush, uh, came back from Australia, came in after 10 minutes the last day, so he has some game time under his belt. Peter Feeney, another big man. Shane is another big man. If Lucan are to win this, they'll certainly have to put the shackles on the Nafina full forward line of the two Curry brothers and AJ Murphy. AJ, as we know, got 3-3 the last day and um, in the game prior to that, the full forward line got one So Lucan will have to put the shackles on it. But Chris O'Leary, Johnny Bellew, uh, Paul Crummy in particular up front. You know, there could be an upset here. People are fancying Nafina because they beat Croaks. I'm not too sure it'll be as straightforward as that. I'm expecting a right belter of a game here as well.
1: Could go all the way, potentially extra time at least.
0: Uh, yeah, the, 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 you know you could you could say that about both games. Um, I, I do expect Bowden to win the first one, and the second one, I do expect Nafina to get over the line here. But you know, I think you know, and um, the last time Luke uh a final was 2013 and it was Bowden that beat them. Uh, you could have repeated that, but I just think that Nafina will have a little bit too much for them Declan
4: time now of course for the NFL and am delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Stephen O'Brien morning Stephen how are you
7: I'm good Reg. Is, it, is everything just a blur for you, Rich? I mean, with this rugby game coming up, are you just kind of biding your time? I'm just going
4: through the motions, to be honest with you, on yeah. every other sport because I don't really have any interest. <laughs> I just want to get there for the game tonight. I'm only joking. <laughs> uh, no, it is. It's it's a nerve-wracking time. I've already said it at the start of the show. It's nervous, nervous energy I've got going on yes. at this stage because it's a such a big game. But um, it's exciting. Let me distract well. It's exciting. Let
7: me distract you for 10 minutes. Rich. Yes. Right. Work that. Well, work.
4: distract me, first of all, because my ACA uh, went out the window Oh, man, uh, last week because of a last-minute touchdown against the Ravens.
7: Yeah. What happened? No, it's not my fault. I mean, <laughs> you know, we call it... Look, Dolphins, right? And this was... I thought Dolphins was a controversial one because it was minus 11.5. And to the sort of newbies out there, what does that mean? They have to beat them by 11.5 points. You don't get half points in the NFL, so it's 12. Uh, so we were sort of thinking, weren't we, Reg? Like, God, oh, that's a big spread, you mm. know, to put that in your rack is risky. Now <laughs> I've done it again this week. But... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so with the Dolphins, like they beat them 31-16. Mm. And then the Lions was a big spread. That was minus 9.5 against the Panthers. They beat them 42-24. So after that, I was like, we are absolutely rolling. <laughs> yeah. Then I come on to the Steelers, Ravens. As you said, last minute them. They get beaten 17-10. I wouldn't mind, Reg. I was looking at the scores because, you know, with the Yakke, I'd be sitting in the seat sweating at all uh, after telling the punters what to invest in. And I was sort of thinking, oh, well, that one's in the bag. Uh, and then I was worrying about the other ones. And then I woke up the next morning, you know, because I was sort of thinking, ah, don't need to look at it again. That's the second time this season now we've been sort of beaten. We, the, unfortunately, it was the Packers that let us down the last time. I had those to beat the Saints, I think, by, what was it, one and a half points, and mm. they beat them by one point. So
4: that's I don't know. the beauty I don't of the, Ake. the time We're getting closer. That's yeah, the beauty been, of the okay, Yeah, You never know. You never know. Okay. A uh, bit of break, uh, news uh, breaking out that Pat McAfee paid Aaron Rodgers a million dollars to appear on his show. Um, and people aren't happy. What's wrong with that?
7: Yeah, you know <laughs> what? I think they look at my salary for uh, here. You know, yeah. I'm kind of not going to look at and go, here, come on. They're really strong. I need to talk to HR or something, Reg. Um, mm. The thing is, look, you and I are bros. And that's why we're on the show. We're having a laugh. And that's, what, that's the thing about Pat McAfee, right? Yeah. He's got this look, he's an ex punter. This guy was earning millions in the NFL. He knows NFL players. He's kind of a wild character. So when he had his show, uh, the Pat McAfee show, which didn't start... Like, now it's on ESPN. It's massive. But before that... But he was able to pull in these big guests. Now, I've tried to get Aaron Rodgers before, right? Because he used to be the quarterback for the Packers. And when I reached out to him, and I've got loads of players on the podcast and it's never a problem. But for him, his agents were like, I'll tell you what, we'll get in contact with his agents. And I was like, are you not... his agents?" They're like, oh, we're going to get in contact with his other agents. So the thing is, this guy, you have to go through so many sort of hoops to get to him. So when he came on the Pat McAfee show... He was always putting across like, oh, we're mates and I'm on here package. you're such a good dude and all this type of stuff. Um, but it turns out he's paying him a million quid. And, I mean, you know, having to pay your money. mate. Now, the thing is, Red's right, is that Aaron Rodgers made, arguably made Pat, the Pat McAfee show go from 2.5 million quid, that's about what it was worth, to half a billion dollars. Well, so when you think about it, and, yeah, it's insane because he, he's getting paid 85 million a year to go wow. to the ESPN. So when you look at it that, and look, McAfee puts it across and says, we didn't pay him originally. He did come on just off his own back. When we saw the numbers skyrocket because of his appearances, because he's so controversial, he handed him a check for 450 grand to say here, thanks. You know, and that's the way he kind of puts it across. To me, I don't see a big deal, right? It, like, it doesn't break the illusion that they're bro mates or yeah, anything. Yeah. You, know, you look at him and go, it's a business, and they pay athletes to appear. That's kind of standard. The fact he's getting a million quid... It seems like a lot of money, but when you see Reg, what he's doing...
4: Yeah, no, no. Put it in the context of what you've just said there. It's nothing. It's a drop in the ocean. You can completely understand that. And, um, you know, he's creating the content that's drawing people in, Uh, Aaron Rodgers, by being controversial or whatever. So I personally... Yeah, I wouldn't have any issue with that whatsoever. You know, you, you, if you have to, like, lots of places are playing for content and it, it's not bringing anything in. So, exactly. yeah, that yeah. controversy wouldn't be anything. Um, OK, let's go into, there's a bit of injuries across the board, quarterbacks in particular. Daniel Jones from the Giant, Anthony Richardson from the Colts, and Deshaun Watson from the Browns.
7: Yeah, all very different to injuries. Uh, Daniel Jones, this was just, like Aaron Rodgers we were just talking about. He went to the Jets, and the offensive line, the guys who protect Aaron Rodgers from getting absolutely pile-driven into the ground, they were awful, and he got injured, what, four snaps into the game. Daniel Jones was the same. I'm actually surprised he's lasted this long for the Giants. Neck injury, Reg. Now, they thought he might be ready this week, uh, but it turns out he isn't, so they get Tyrod Taylor to come in. They're lucky in the sense that Tyrod Taylor is an experienced quarterback, so they might not be too bad off. But look, the offensive line is criminally bad. He's been sacked twenty eight times this season, which is just you know, so you're gonna put Tyrod Taylor in, fine, and he's experienced, but he's gonna get pile driven into the ground as well. Uh, and as you said, Anthony Richardson for the Colts and AC joint sprain. This one's different because You know, he's a new player uh, and he's been put on injured reserve, which means he's going to be out for four weeks. More grizzly than that, they sort of said to them, like, is it going to be four weeks? Because when you put them on injured reserve, it's sort of you have to sit them for four weeks. They said, look, it's probably more four to eight. And then the coach was asked, could it be more than eight? And he said, probably. So he might be out for the whole season, but he's had a terrible time. Week one, he took a knock to the knee, was taken out of the game. Gardner Minshew came in. uh, He's the backup. Then he got concussed in week two, so he missed week three. And now he's got this injury and he's out for the foreseeable future. But again, Gardner Minshew, uh, people might be used to hearing Minshew madness uh, mm. for the Jaguars. So he's a good player, you know, and he's come in and he's played well this season. Deshaun Watson's a weird one though, Edge. This is a guy, he got, here's a guy, he got $230 million guaranteed. And there was loads of controversy with this guy because of all the off-the-field stuff, and I'll leave that there. But he's got a bruised rotator cuff. And this, I kind of wanted to pick your brain about this one, right? Because he's been medically cleared so he can play. He's just not playing. They Mm. said that, you know, with the bruising on his rotator cuff, it's too sore for him to throw. Is that common in contact sports, Reg, where the doctor will turn around to you and say you can play there's nothing structurally wrong but you don't play because you're so banged up or is that just not a thing in your world
4: in rugby I suppose it depends on the sport but certainly in rugby I think players are playing through I mean the rotator cuff is in the shoulder so mm-hmm. for a quarterback it'd be pretty serious um, yeah. they might be thinking more long term you could play maybe uh, you know, you're, if you're looking at the Super Bowl and you're going to have a long rest afterwards you might play but if it's a case of having a big season ahead of you and you go out and you play in this match with another 10-15 games to play in the season you might uh, uh, jeopardise those then you wouldn't play so yeah, that would be the medical advice I would have thought I'd imagine where that's yeah. coming from
7: It's a weird one isn't it though yeah. that they say look you're cleared you can play if you want it. Now, yeah, did, be to Now beyond that grounds probably you know
4: that the, yeah. the, the, the uh, uh, chances of damaging it further that would put you out for future dates would be uh, more yeah. where that would be coming from I'd imagine
7: It's these throwing shoulder as well but I mean look there's a lot, you know yourself with the internet right it's, it can be a cesspit sometimes you mm. go in and there's all these conspiracy theories to say He's got 230 million guarantee. Whether he plays or not, it doesn't matter for him. So they're saying that he's sort of saying to them, "Nah, not playing." And there's nothing they can do about it. But I don't think so. But yeah, either way, Reds are in trouble because PJ Walker's coming out to play in his relief. Not that the Sean Watson's lightening up or anything. Yeah. But um, yeah, I have the Browns in our ACA this week. Let me just say, okay. uh, due to that injury.
4: Okay. Well, I mean, as mentioned to you there. There's a lot of games to go and everything else, and uh, we're we're really only at the beginning, but. Already, is there any sort of um, teams that are coming out or standing out to you that might be Super Bowl favorites that we could start to look towards for the, uh, yeah. you know, for that Super Bowl?
7: I think so, right? And I'm always at this stage of the season. i know we sort of you know we do a sort of a check-in point every so often and ask this question, and usually the answer is is like, look, they're doing well, but it's a bit early. To be honest, though, Reg, there's, there's such a difference now between teams that are playing really well and then teams that are awful. Um, and there's some surprises in there, some not-so-surprises. Look, the Niners are 5-0 and this season. They're the best offense in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey, the running back, he gets injured a lot, right? But he hasn't this season. He's been playing really, really well. Also, they have the guy that they selected last in the, in the NFL draft, Brock Purdy, a quarterback. And he's lighting up the NFL. He could be an MVP candidate. So, like, they're one of the tips for me for Super Bowl favorites because it seems like whatever the defense comes up for these guys, they have an answer to. The Dolphins, they are breaking the NFL record over five games for yardage. Uh, Tua Violoa, which is our favorite to say on live radio, Absolutely. he's breaking Dan Marino's records that have held since 1994. Everybody knows Dan Marino with the Dolphins. So they're 4-1. They look fantastic. The Chiefs got the win on Thursday Night Football, five and one. The Eagles are five and zero. The Bills are three and two, but their record, like they waxed the Dolphins by like twenty points or something. So they're looking fantastic. The sort of dark horse for me, and I hate to say it because they're in our division, is the Lions. They're four and one, and they look like a legit team. They've got a tough defense. Their offense are playing really well. So there's what, Reg, maybe six teams now that are looking mm. really strong. And on the opposite side of that, Reg, some of the teams are looking really poor. The Patriots are in trouble. They're one and four. Or the Cardinals are one and four. You know, so it's hard to pick out uh, other teams apart from these guys. But, um, yeah, if, you, if you're if you a betting man, I'd say any one of those teams, if you can get good on them, I'd go for
4: it. OK, speaking of betting, may as well keep going with our ACA. We keep uh, getting so close it'll happen. Um, this week is the week for it. Give us the ACA.
7: I'll give it the ACA. Slight bit of background to it as well. Look, the Bears take on the Vikings. Bears have been awful. But the last two games, they've been quite good. The Vikings have sent their best receiver, Justin Jefferson, to IOR. And their defense likes to blitz a lot, which means that they rush the passer loads and loads. Justin Fields is more of a running back, they say, than a quarterback for the Bears so do I feel the Bears can beat the Vikings I do and the Bears are actually underdogs so it's plus three um, so if you bet on the Bears and they win by anything well then they go and come away with it uh, the second one is the Dolphins against the Panthers there's a massive spread on this minus 14 but like I said the Dolphins like they're breaking Dan Marino's records they're breaking the records over a five game start of the season so it's minus 14 against the Panthers the Panthers haven't won a game all season Rich. they look poor so I think that we'd be able to cover the spread there and then like I spoke about the Browns Deshaun Watson is out they have a rookie in there, um, and they're coming up against the Niners, uh, you know, so that, and the Niners, they're the best offence in the NFL, the only thing I would caveat this game with is, is the spread of minus 9.5, which seems like it's fine, however the Browns do have a sneaky good defence, but I reckon that with the offence being so bad, that they'll just be gassed, so that's the Bears to beat the Vikings, the Dolphins to beat the Panthers, and the Niners to beat the Browns
3: Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport, and Sunshine 106.8, from myself Ken and Reggie